Section 10 of Vegetarianism and Occultism. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Andrea Fiore. Vegetarianism and Occultism by C.W. Leadbeater. Section 10. Occult Reasons. Under this heading, also we shall have two sets of reasons, those which refer to ourselves and our own development, and those which refer to the great scheme of evolution and our duty towards it, so that once more we may classify them as selfish and unselfish, although at a much higher level than before. I have, I hope, clearly shown in the earlier part of this lecture that there is simply no room for discussion in regard to this question of vegetarianism. The whole of the evidence and of the considerations are entirely on one side, and there is absolutely nothing to be said in opposition to them. This is even more strikingly the case when we come to consider the occult part of our agreement. There are some students hovering around the fringes of occultism who are not yet prepared to follow its dictates to the uttermost, and therefore do not accept its teaching when it interferes with their personal habits and desires. Some such have tried to maintain that the question of food can make little difference from the occult standpoint, but the unanimous verdict of all of the great schools of occultism, both ancient and modern, has been definite on this point, and has asserted that for all true progress, purity is necessary, even on the physical plane, and in matters of diet, as well as in far higher matters. In many books and lectures, I have already explained the existence of the different planes of nature and of the vast unseen world all about us, and I have also had occasion to refer often to the fact that man has within himself matter belonging to all these higher planes, so that he is furnished with a vehicle corresponding to each of them, through which he can receive impressions, and by means of which he can act. Can these higher bodies of man be in any way affected by the food which enters into the physical body with which they are so closely connected? Assuredly they can, and for this reason. The physical matter in man is in close touch with the astral and mental matter, so much so that each is to a great extent a counterpart of the other. There are many types and degrees of density among astral matter, for example, so that it is possible for one man to have an astral body built of coarse and gross particles, while another may have one which is much more delicate and refined. As the astral body is the vehicle of the emotions, passions, and sensations, it follows that the man, whose astral body is of the grosser type, will be chiefly amenable to the grosser varieties of passion and emotion whereas the man who has a finer astral body will find that its particles most readily vibrate in response to higher and more refined emotions and aspirations. The man, therefore, who builds gross and undesirable matter into his physical body is thereby drawing into his astral body matter of a coarse and unpleasant type as its counterpart. We all know that on the physical plane the effect of overindulgence in dead flesh is to produce a coarse, gross appearance in the man. That does not mean 
that it is only the physical body which is in an unlovely condition. It means also that those parts of the man which are invisible to our ordinary sight, the astral and the mental bodies, are not in good condition either. Thus a man who is building himself a gross and impure physical body is building for himself at the same time coarse and unclean astral and mental bodies as well. That is visible at once to the eye of the developed clairvoyant. The man who learns to see these higher vehicles sees at once the effects on the higher bodies produced by impurity in the lower. He sees at once the difference between the man who feeds his physical vehicle with pure food and the man who puts into it this loathsome decaying flesh. Let us see how this difference will affect the man's evolution. End of section 10 Recording by Andrea Fiore